Today's podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market's like an online food co-op, healthy, organic food at reasonable prices. We want you to go to thrivemarket.com forward slash sisters, and you're going to get a special offer, a free 30-day trial at Thrive Market, $60 off your groceries, and free shipping. Check it out, Satellite Sisterhood. You think you're going to love it. Thrivemarket.com forward slash sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters Talk TV. This is our weekly recap of the CBS drama, Madam Secretary. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm on my own today. That's right. My cohort, Julie Dolan, is not here. She is, I think the the networks would say she's on assignment, but actually she's on vacation. She is off snorkeling at the Great Barrier Reef. She and my sister Liz went there. They wanted to see it before it disappeared. So, uh... Right now, as I record this podcast, I assume they're there snorkeling uh, out of, out of uh, Wi-Fi access. So I was going to wait, you know, I was going to wait. I thought, well, I'll just wait till Julie gets back. But two things happened. First of all, this was a very timely episode, got a lot of press. I thought it was important to talk about now. And the first, and the second thing is that this is the last Madam Secretary for a while, according to uh, news reports that I... (laughs) I do occasionally Google things for this this TV recap. Um, Madam Secretary is on a break till March 11th. So I figure by the time we get back, it's going to be too late to talk about this episode. So I'm just going for it. It's just me alone. If you miss the vocal stylings of Julie Dolan, know that she'll be back on the Satellite Sisters podcast in a couple weeks. Um, but I'm sorry Julie didn't get to see this episode for two reasons. First off, I mean, it started with a bang because we had been waiting for some great evening clothes from Madam Secretary, and she looked cape-tastic. I mean, beautiful black dress, that sheer cape, that's a look she likes. We've seen it last season. We saw it again. She looked great. She and Henry were going off somewhere. Of course, you know, it played out differently, but we we appreciated that. We liked it. We liked the black tie, Madam Secretary. And two, President Dalton, played by actor Keith Carradine, appears... To have woken up from his coma. You know, we we have often questioned uh, the magneticism of President Dalton. Like, we don't get it. How does this guy keep getting elected? I mean, isn't it over that time when well-meaning, thoughtful public servants actually get elected to office? Don't you need a little something-something to get elected? Well, this week, uh, Keith Carradine, a.k.a. President Dalton, really had a little something-something, and it wasn't good. So the name of this episode is Sound and Fury. This episode was named last spring, so it has nothing to do with the current best-selling book that's out, and it was written in October. Uh, So the Madam Secretary writers, Barbara Hall, who we've spoken to, she said, hey, we wrote this, you know, we were teasing out the storyline in the fall, we filmed it in November, I don't know. Whatever's going on right now, that's not that's not where we look for for answers. So, okay. All right, Barbara. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> now, that is true. That is how TV works. Remember when we spoke to Barbara Hall, um, she said they, they sort of operate on a two – like they think of themselves as two years ahead of the current year, the current political situation, the current administration. They kind of try to tease out things that might be in the news now, but what might they look like two years from now? 
So she said that's exactly what they did in this episode that explored the 25th Amendment, which is removing a president from office if he's if he's unfit to serve. They sort of looked at that, was in the news, and they kind of teased out the scenario. They thought it might be interesting for viewers to see, well, could that really happen? And if it happened, what would it look like? She said, let's create a scenario where it would be valid and show viewers how it worked. So we saw it. Barbara, thank you very much. It looked... Um, just very civilized, uh, and it was all wrapped up in an hour, and he went from, you know, we went from the brink of war with Russia to, you know, brain surgery in an hour, and, and Bess had on that Irish sweater at the end, and it was all good. <laughs> so, all right. So here are the two storylines we're working for. Let me break it down. Um, I have to get my notes. Uh, this is where Julie would usually fill in with some... <laughs> some business. Well, I brought up my notes, but she's not here today. Okay. So the two, the main storyline basically is that president Dalton loses it and he threatens and then orders an attack on Russia. And it, it's, he's, he wants to attack them in retaliation for what is perceived as a, an attack, a sonic attack on the U S embassy in Bulgaria. It's clear, uh, to the, to the people around the president that something is drastically wrong with them him. And so Bess and Russell, the chief of staff, gather the cabinet secretaries and they invoke this article four, article three. There were several articles and an amendment. Uh, Let's just say they took the power away from Dalton. Right. That's storyline one. And storyline two was a little domestic storyline about Jason not having a baby book. Oh boy. Okay, Jason, really. (laughs) You'll get over it, Jason. Believe me, I'm the youngest of eight. I don't have anything. You're going to get over it. All right. So let's go to the main storyline, this 25th Amendment. So we see in the beginning, we see an embassy, a U.S. embassy in Bulgaria getting attacked, we think, a sonic attack. So that, of course, is parallel to the what's happened in Cuba, right? The weird stories about the Cuban, the U.S. embassy in Cuba and the British embassy and other various Western embassies there where diplomats have been going down with, you know, nausea and headaches, and they think it's these weird sonic attacks. So very bizarre. So they, they use that, they set it in Bulgaria, and then they conveniently blame the Russians for this attack. And so this is the first sign that General, that President Dalton is losing it because he completely overreacts. And he says a line about, you know, fierce and furious or, you know, we're, we're not going to we're not going to let that threat go unanswered. And he used some language that was eerily reminiscent of some language that our current POTUS used about North Korea. Again, this was written well before that was said. So the Madam Secretary writers are geniuses or someone's leaking their scripts to the White House. I'm concerned about both things. Uh, so we see Dalton and he just won't back down. He he's ordered this airstrike. It's going to take, you know, 48 hours to execute. And there is alarm on the face of Bess and Russell on Virginia, who plays, you know, the national security council, that, that woman that looks just like our aunt Virginia. Uh, and then the secretary of defense and then another member of the security council, he ends up resigning. Like I cannot carry forth this, the, this, uh, this order. I can't do it. He ends up resigning. President Dalton's happy to take his resignation, which is another red flag for the behind the scenes people. So, um, you know, so and Bess, I like the scene where Bess kind of gathered them all and she said, we're the firewall. We have to delay executing this 
executive order. And that's when they pull in the secretary of defense named Bob. <laughs> I don't know. He was new to me. So I don't know if SecDef Bob had been around before. Like I had to watch the beginning of the scene a couple times ago. Who is this guy? But he played a critical role because he tried to stop the moving train and he brought up all the questions that you should bring up. Like, hey, we're not doctors. How do we know? We're not allowed to do this. This is, you know, things like this is a bloodless coup. You know, I understand the 25th Amendment, but really, are we in a position to do this? But meanwhile, there's this ticking clock, you know, uh, the the president of the United States has ordered all the Russian communication satellites blown out of the sky. And so Best feels like, no, that now's the time. We don't have a lot of time to waste. So the Secretary of Defense really on the on the on the fence about this. He doesn't actually feel comfortable. So uh Best goes home, she talks to Henry. Henry always has good things to say. Doesn't he? I mean, he is a professor. And so even though Julie accuses him of not being a particularly good spy, he he is a good professor. And he says, we have the best system of government the world has ever seen, but it's only as good as the people in charge. It's a good line. I think there should be a monument in Washington with that on it. We have the best system of government the world has ever seen, but it's only as good as the people in charge. So that really, you can it's clear that that really sinks in with Bess, that she's one of the people in charge and now she has to do something. Now, in the meantime, they have to, you know, they have to go take a look at what actually happened in the embassy in Bulgaria. So even though there's a giant apparatus in Washington with CIA and strike forces and international police, no, it's Henry that has to do it. So they (laughs) just like to keep it all in the family there. That special team that Henry's on that seems pretty ineffectual, off they go. They're, they're going to figure out what actually happened in the embassy in Bulgaria. And they find out it's, it wasn't really a sonic attack at all. That was the Russians trying to spy on them. And oops, it was a thwarted spy attack that just created a loud sound, which hurt people's ears. And Bess and Henry and everyone kind of shrugs it off like, well, that's what happens when you're spying. Sometimes you get caught. Ha, ha, ha. But this only seems to make crazy POTUS even crazier. And even though he used to run, as best reminds him, the largest spy agency in the world, you know, hey, we got caught too. That doesn't matter. He doubles down on his attack on Russia. And really, in this scene, he is really cranky, Conrad. I mean, <laughs> somebody needs a Big Mac. I just get him something. It's just, he was... He was like woke from the dead, Keith Carradine. I mean, he, he's been just uninspired for the last three seasons, and now he just went full full cranky Conrad. So this leads to a secret meeting, and they gather all the cabinet members. And I like this scene a lot because I guess this is the teachable moment, right, when Barbara Hall said we wanted to tease out this scenario and we wanted to show people how it will work because you get the people like Bess and the people like, well, Russell's not in the meeting because he's not a cabinet member, but uh, you get Bess on the one hand saying, this isn't right. We can't do this. We shouldn't do this. She's got the vice president on board now, Uh, you know, and then you have other people in the meeting saying, listen, we're not psychologists. We're not doctors. We're not this. We can't do that, which is exactly the kind of conversation you hope leaders are having behind the scenes if that moment occurs, that there are balanced sides. You don't just want to remove people in, as they kept saying, bloodless coup, bloodless coup. Right. You don't want to keep doing that, but but you do want to explore it. And, you know, what I love is that they got that meeting wrapped up in like an hour. They voted. Conrad's out. 
So what do they do now? They have to go, they have to engage the wife. Okay. We see, I think her name was Lydia and it's the beautiful Christine Eversall, who I believe has not one, but maybe a hundred Tonys. I don't know. She's another Tony award winner on Madam Secretary. And they engage her and they're like, please, best, best goes, shows up at a fundraiser, begs for her help. Like something is not right here. You have to make this happen. And so all of a sudden, guess what? The female vice president, the one that Bess had the run in last week with, see how they set that story up, the writers, boom, but you know, it wasn't like they just pulled this out of thin air. They had to create that female vice president character last week and introduce her. So now we see her, she's there, she's going to step in and be uh, in charge while POTUS goes for his exam and turns out, oh, brain tumor, whew, totally, he's got something happening in the brain. It's pushing on his personality zone. I don't think that's the right medical term. No, well, no kidding. He finally has a personality. Burr, pushing on his personality zone. And fortunately, it's benign. So it's not going to be cancerous. He's going to be operated on and it's all going to be fine. And see, that's why we watch Madam Secretary, because in 60 minutes, we can go from the brink of war through a constitutional crisis, some good black tie clothes brain surgery, and everything's fine. Oh, thank you, Bess. Thank you, brave members of the cabinet for really doing the hard work of democracy. And there was a really nice, beautifully written speech at the end just about that, about how democracy requires bravery. And that was lovely. So all was well. The, the, the democracy will go on. We have an acting president who's a female. That didn't get much attention. So I don't know if that counts as the first female first female president. I know it's fictional, so it doesn't count at all. But just wondering how, that, how that's going to play out. But we won't know because the show is not coming back till March 11th. So presumably Conrad will be back in office by then. Um, the second storyline, I, I enjoyed that storyline. You know, it was thought-provoking. That's kind of the way it should work. I mean, you can see clearly when you watch the show, you know, the writers are super well informed that they're combing the news, you know, they're reading things and they're, they're plucking out things from the headlines, but they're talking about them in completely different ways. We've seen, you know, Russian hacking, for instance, this season, they were able to do that, Russian hacking in elections, and they were able to do it in an interesting way that wasn't exactly like the kind of things we see here in the headlines, but it does it does make you think. It does tease it out. So I really enjoyed uh, this episode. And, you know, I like the best, uh, she's just sensible. You know, she, she isn't actually a doctor. And there was, during the cabinet meeting, I thought, yeah, you know, maybe she really shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> There's enough legitimate pushback. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is not really a great system to have these people with no medical, with no medical information, just, you know, making rash judgments. But on the other hand, I, I've heard several experts recently, real experts say, you know, we assume in this country that we elect, you know, rational people. So that's the assumption. That's why we don't have a ton of checks and balances there. And and so it just made you think like, okay, what actually would happen if the cabinet really had to be the ones to pull the trigger on something like that? So I enjoyed it. The second storyline, Jason discovers he has no baby book. The basement floods, the McCord home, you know. And what I liked about that moment when the basement flooded was I did have that thought like, is anyone going to know to turn off the water? And of course, Henry was a Marine. Like we forget, he's the religion and philosophy and ethics professor now. So, and he's the spy 
and he's doing all the work at the CIA. So we forget that he was a Marine and that he should have some common sense. And right away he turns off the water and everyone's like, whoa, what do you mean I can't take a bath? Well, the water's turned off people. But, uh, so the kids decide to save the family memorabilia that's down there. And they discover, you know, Stevie's baby book is fully played out. Oh, you know, pictures, written notes, first word, first steps. The middle daughter, Allison, gets a little less detail. And Jason's isn't even taken out of the packaging. All right. All right. You'll survive, Jason. I think it's going to make you stronger. I mean, I'm the youngest of eight kids. I, I literally barely have any photos of my childhood. I mean, that is not a joke. There's just like the camera broke in like 1968 and it sat in the back hall for quite a while. So uh, my photos of me stop at like three until I got my own camera when I was like 13. And even then, we just don't take a lot of photos. Jason, you'll survive. And there's a very cute scene at the end where we see Henry and Bess, you know, they've been working hard. They've been overthrowing the government. They've been solving international crimes. And now they're just sort of going in and and filling in Jason's baby book. That was cute scene. That's even better. That's a better way to do it. (laughs) That's a better way to do it. You know, it is all a blur, really, when you think about it. As the mother of a 22-year-old and a 19-year-old, it's kind of a blur in a good way. (laughs) Be fun to fill out a baby book now. So, Jason, you'll be fine. Take it from me. Totally fine. All right. In our binders full of blouses. Okay. We had the black tie. Looking good. I love that dress. I really like her hair. And I I feel like my hair could achieve that. Julia said that before. I like the way it was pulled back. It's For someone like me with a cowlick, it's really an excellent way to do um, uh, an updo. So, uh, next time I go, which may be never uh, to a formal event, I'm going to, I'm going to bring that a screenshot of that episode in. Um, I also like to want to shout out to, uh, to the, the whole outfit that, um, the first lady was wearing, uh, uh, it, the Christine Ebersole had that white on white on white, the cream on cream on cream thing, the beautiful jacket, the silk blouse, and then the layer jewelry. Very nice. Looked beautiful, loved it, thought that was a good look for her. Bess also in the middle of a constitutional crisis, very busy layering her necklaces. She had a lariat, is that how you say that? A lariat? She, and with the pearls, that was good. Um, I was glad Julie wasn't here to see that severe black suit she was wearing <laughs> at one point. I just, I didn't understand. <laughs> I'm glad Julie didn't see that. That would have upset her. I think that would have upset her. And then finally, a uh, shout out to Blake. He had on his overcoat, but he had on the hoodie underneath. Like, oh, I just had to come into the office. It was cold and everyone was freezing and there was no heat in the building. I like that overcoat and hoodie look. I thought it looked really cute on Blake. Um, so that's our recap for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. There's a lively discussion going on at the Satellite Sisters Facebook group on this week's episode. So feel free to weigh in. As I said at the top of the show, the show doesn't come back till March 11th, so we have a little bit of a break here on our TV recaps. Um, But the regular Satellite Sisters show is carrying on. This week, we're happy to post our interview with um, author and power editor Tina Brown. Her new book is called The Vanity Fair Diaries, and it's our Satellite Sisters book club pick for January 2018. And, you know, Tina Brown... uh, is a great interview. She, you can barely get a question out before she jumps in and answers, but she just sort of knows everyone 
and was there when so many things were happening. Uh, if New York in the 80s is of interest to you, if editing a magazine is of interest to you, Women in Media is of interest to you, don't miss that interview. She also really wrote a fantastic book on Princess Diana, and we interviewed her on Satellite Sisters about that. So we asked her specifically advice for Meghan Markle, and her advice was really insightful. So I encourage you to listen to this week's Satellite Sisters podcast. It's our interview with Tina Brown of Vanity Fair and the New Yorker magazine. And uh, I think you're going to like it. We also talked to her about the iconic um, Demi Moore cover, the pregnant Demi Moore cover. Uh, Tina was part of that era of Vanity Fair and created that cover. And then we talked to her about the Dancing Reagan cover, which was also sort of a very famous cover. And she has a great story about going to the White House and, and what that photo shoot was like with Mr. and Mrs. Reagan. It's that's, hey, that's a good story for, um, for the Madam Secretary writers to steal. <laughs> Hey, hey, if you're, no, listen, it's a great, it's a great story about, about how they got that classic shot of the Reagans dancing in the White House for Vanity Fair. The whole, the whole photo shoot took like 10 minutes. Um, but there's a, you know, good backstory to it. So that's at our regular Satellite Sisters podcast. Okay, that's it. Wrapping up for Madam Secretary until mid-March. We'd like to thank Thrive Market for supporting Satellite Sisters this month. You want to go to thrivemarket.com forward slash sisters to take a look at a really great offer. If you're not familiar with Thrive Market, it's basically an online food co-op. But it's a highly curated collection of organic and healthy foods, and they make shopping really easy. If you have a special diet, you can filter for vegan food or vegetarian food or kosher food or keto food or paleo food. Uh, if you're a new mom, they have a whole tab where you can just filter for, you know, mom stuff. Uh, it, it's just Great products, and I have to say, I've been really impressed. A lot of the things there, 70% of the products there you can't find at other big shopping sites who shall remain nameless. So it is sort of a highly curated but um, very vibrant selection of food. And it's a company with a social conscience. So you buy a membership. It's like a food co-op, the old-fashioned food co-op. You buy an annual membership. And for every one membership you buy, they donate it to a family who needs it. They donate it a membership to a teacher or to a veteran. So uh, it's, it's a good little company. Check out thrivemarket.com forward slash sisters for a great offer. All right, we're the Satellite Sisters. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.